welcome back to the For Films Like Podcast, everybody. My name is Brian Ashi, and I'm here with... Chris Lucky. And today we're going to be talking about Eraserhead. Yes. But before we do any of that, catch up. The catch up. The catch up. I've seen a lot of stuff. Did you? you I've see? seen a lot of things I have recently. not seen a lot. <laughs> like, I've been trying to catch up. We got a message from Jonathan about the um, the Oscars and we how we do our year-end catch-up. Ah, fuck, that's right. That's happening yeah. soon, isn't it? I think, like, the top of January or something yeah. like that. But, um, like, I was realizing, like, all the best movies used to come out in, like, uh, September, October, November, December, yep. especially, like, November, December. And I'm like, I haven't... There's a lot of movies I haven't seen yet, you know, it's so all I just... That's all I haven't seen either. Yeah, and yeah. more to come. But it's like, I started with um, the Sorry to Bother You, Oh, yeah. um, I wouldn't seen that. Uh, well, I got it on Redbox. Um, uh, that that movie kind it's, it's it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie, but I it's it, it does it's not my movie. That is it's not such my a movie. it's such a bizarre type of movie. Like I like I, I like the meaning, like what the the messages that they're getting mm-hmm. across. But I feel like it was like a little juvenile sophomoric. Like that was. Over, over more. It, I feel like that was more important to them being funny and being juvenile than the message, than the message. so much. You know, like the the workhorse thing. I get mm-hmm. the workhorse part, yeah, 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 and yeah, I yeah. was almost wishing. But you get to have a horse cock. <laughs> you get to have a horse cock. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny. It was very funny. So it was like if I'm looking at it like as a pure comedy, mm-hmm. then I'm like okay. But it's like I wanted to look at it as more than that, like the overarching message. Yeah. And I got that message. But then the comedy, like this, the the juvenility of the the the, the message, it just kind of tainted it for me a bit. Yeah, that makes sense. And the the End, I'm not gonna spoil, but it's just like you see what happened at the very, very end, you yeah, know. Yeah. And then I was just like, you could have kind of left that out. Like if he would have just like went up against the wall, oh my god, what's going on? He's covering his face, yeah. and then they show something, and then cut to black. Like I don't need to see that whole thing that happens for the next five minutes after that. Yeah, you know? I agree. But, I didn't like that ending. Yeah, it, it was just like, yeah. all right, you know, whatever. It, it made me think of like uh, about like Get Out, how they had mm-hmm. an alternate ending, and how we have seen that. It would have been kind of like, oh, whoa, what the fuck? So the black guy ends up going to jail, and then his life is shit, and then like that. Type of ending yeah. it's like it maybe just they didn't have enough hands in the pot to where they just have the directors like oh this is my vision i mean i'm not killing no babies you know i'm <laughs> gonna have it exactly the way that i want it you know maybe that, that's this is also that guy's first directorial yeah. debut yep. uh but i feel like like the comedy of the movie because i knew nothing about the movie yeah i mean right? yeah well a little bit yeah. um so like i knew literally nothing yeah. about the film i didn't yeah. know it was gonna be comedy nope. i didn't know it was gonna have this overarching social theme yeah I didn't have any of that. So when I walked in and it hit me, yeah. I got the impact that I feel like the director wanted mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. to have. Yeah. So it didn't feel tainted for me because I was laughing. Yeah, it was funny. And then I was shocked by what happened. Mm. And then I was analyzing the shock versus the funny like while I was sitting in the, oh, in, I got you. In the audience. Yeah. So like I feel like that's kind of like the emotional journey that the movie wants you to take, which mm. is kind of like, haha, this is funny. Like, like oh. oh fuck, what's yeah. happening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you analyze it a little bit, and then there's comedy in that analyzing is, of yeah. the movie. Yeah. But like if you watch it, and I already told you that there was like the sort of social meaning yep. of the movie. Definitely. So I feel, like, I feel like I might have tainted. Some Maybe of so. the like I wanted a little more of that than the the comedy, I guess, yeah, yeah, or yeah. just the the type of comedy that it was. But I like I enjoyed it. Like I I'm not gonna shit on the movie and. I may watch it again if I'm around yeah. friends and it's on like certain parts right. of the movie are very, very funny. Fucking hilarious. You know? Like I think like they're my favorite just part that's like cultural mm. is when he's in the house with a bunch of rich people and mm. it's like, oh yeah, rap. And he starts rapping. Oh my gosh. And then he just goes like, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga, 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 nigga shit. shit. Yeah. That shit fucking had me 
dying. I had the opposite uh, <laughs> feeling about that as a, as a black person yeah. because um, you're, he's in there. He's the only black person there with a bunch of white people that are very uh, yeah. well to do. And like, like I said, just being in my own skin, it's like, okay, you're black. You're different from us. So what do you have to offer? Right. You're black. You can rap. I know that you can rap. Oh, here's a basketball. Like, here, shoot a basketball for us. Like, mm-hmm. do something black for us. You know, it's like, it's just like that. I that was very much the intent. Yes, very much. Yeah. yeah, and that's why like I've, I've experienced that my whole life. It was like, oh, you're black. You ha- Your hair is different. Let me touch your hair. Yeah, right. You know, oh, you can rap. Well, go do that. And he's just like, no, like, I'm just a human being just like all the rest yeah. of you. What makes you think that I can rap just because I'm black? And he's put in that situation to, like, so uncomfortable. He's like, well, I can't rap. I know I can't rap. I'm just going to give these white people what they want. They right. want nigga shit. So I'm just going to say, say nigga, nigga shit, shit over and over again. And then they're all like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, me, I'm like, you, this is terrible. It was like, such a, like, a great commentary mm-hmm. on how, like, white people, yes. like, black people, yeah. that I couldn't help but laugh at. No, no, it's I supposed to be so Comfortable. Yeah. I, I, love, I love the commentary of that. Yeah. I love that. And I, I was just wanting like more of that like in the yeah, movie. But it's like I, I enjoyed a, a certain parts of that, definitely. So, But um, what else? Um, I think I might have told you that I seen uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, I nice. Went, what do you think? I like that movie a lot. Fuck yeah. I like that Fuck movie yeah. a whole lot. I mean, the um, if I'm going to give a negative review, which I'm not, <laughs> but right. if, I, if, I was, if, were if I were to, the only negative thing I could say about this movie, it is like it's two hours of a movie in order to give you context to be able to enjoy their performance at Live Aid. Yeah, in the yeah. 80s. So you it was know? like the so it's like two hours leading up to that concert. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. famous concert? Yeah, so it's like, it, it takes you into where it's a person that has no idea who Queen is, they have no idea who Freddie Mercury is, none mm-hmm. of that, and then just gives you all the information that you need in order to enjoy the last 15 minutes of the movie, which is the concert. Right. You know, so if you know nothing of the music, nothing of the band, they give you all of that context, and then they put you into the, the, concert, the concert at the end. Yeah. You know, so it's basically that, at, at worst, that's the worst review I can give it. At best, I mean... It looks really good. The cinematography is very good. The way that they set the movie up from beginning to end. Yeah. The guy that plays Freddie Mercury, like Rami he's, Malik, Rami Malik, yeah, from um, what's that show we watch? Uh, uh, Ro- uh, Mr. Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot, yeah. yeah. Um, he does a phenomenal job. He is like, fantastic. I don't, I don't believe he'll win an Oscar, but he'll damn well be nominated. Queen, like, uh, the guitarist from Queen, said he should. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian uh, May, Brian I think May, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he, I mean, he did a really, really good job. I enjoyed the movie, like eight point five out of ten. Like, did you, I saw a side by side of like two minute clip from the little concert in yep. the movie and like the actual concert. Yeah, they spent a lot of time recreating the movements of the concert. And oh man, put that in a cinematic. Lens yeah. is fucking fantastic. It really, it really was. Like I can't say enough about it, and the fact that it's like I've been listening to nothing but Queen, Queen music <laughs> since then. It's like so many songs. Like I know who Queen was. Like I know right. some of their songs, but there are like four or five of the songs. So I was like, oh, they did that too. Oh, they did that too. <laughs> you know, so many different things. Like even Under Pressure, that doom 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 doom, the thing that Vanilla yeah. Ice stole and said yeah. that he didn't steal. Yeah, that <laughs> song. I had no idea that was David Bowie and Freddie Mercury going back and forth on a song. Oh, really? Seriously, did not know that. Me neither. And then I'm listening to it now. I'm like. Oh shit! I can hear David. Oh shit! I can hear Fred. It's like mm-hmm. wow, like, but stuff like that is just. But that's what made the movie for me there. And that's fucking cool. To end with, because I know I'm going in and in about these things I've seen, but I just happen to I see mean, a lot of shit. Should, I haven't <laughs> seen a whole lot. So. I've just seen a lot of shit this time. Um, and then uh, Creed two. Seen Creed two yesterday. Oh, how'd you feel? Um, I didn't want to see it, but ahead of time, um, like I, I gave my girlfriend a list. I was mm-hmm. like, "There's here's a three three movie list." <laughs> And I'm hoping that she would chose one of the ones I wanted to see. One of them was Widows. The other, okay. one, the other one was Green Book. And the other one was Creed 2. Out of those three movies, I wanted to see Green Book. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. that seems like the most interesting movie. Yeah. I want to see Green Book, and then she she hard passed for her hard pass. And when I did, like I sent her the Metacritic of all three things: the user review and the critic review. Yeah. And of all three, then um, uh, Green Book had yeah. the best balance of user and critic. Right. She hard passed it because she was like, "This is only Oscar bait. This is for Oscar bait. It's a black guy and a white guy getting to, getting along in the '60s. This is purely for the Oscars." And I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, I know this is very much Oscar bait, but you know, like but it's still gonna be." A good movie yeah. it's still gonna be a very good movie as opposed to what this Creed thing is she wanted for the entertainment you know right. b- value of it and Creed 2 is entertaining it's not a bad movie but I can't give it anything above a 6.5 that makes sense I cannot I give like it a 7 that's what I expect out yeah. of it, you know because I like we lost the director for, yeah. from the first one right oh yeah the tone is a lot different too yeah. in this movie you can tell by the trailer like, yeah. it's very dramatized it it's is. like it's very Rocky 5 versus Rocky 1 or mm-hmm. 2 yeah. you know yeah it's um, I would say it's not unenjoyable, but it's not the first Creed. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but it, it was. Not I feel like good. it's kind of hard to be top the first Creed though, because it yeah. came out of left field for a lot of people yeah. in terms of like how good it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I really want to see it. I want to catch up on. I want to watch Bohemian. Mm. I want to watch oh, yeah. uh, Eighth Grade. Oh yeah. Barber, and I'm yes. still haven't seen that. Nice. Okay. Uh, there was another movie 90s. that came out '90s. I really want to watch Me that. Too. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of shit that I really, me too. really want to catch up. With. Yeah, and I like I know that it's gonna be like the last week of December. It's just gonna be like me in my underwear, <laughs> having just jerked off, yep. just watching all of this Oscar bait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what's like, gonna right, come out to you. Yeah, yep. that's what it's gonna be. Yeah, um, I don't think I've seen anything in particular. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember anything yeah. that I've seen. Yeah, um, but I've been playing a lot of Red Dead. Yeah, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Red Dead Redemption yep. too. Yep. The online just came out. I was, I seen a uh, a meme or something about that with uh, someone playing online, and there was a um a guy he, w- he walks into a saloon mm-hmm. and then just walks up to some some cowboy guy and throws him out of the damn window. I'm like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and just For casually no walks up to him, grabs him by the lapels, and just throws like, him out yeet. the window. <laughs> it's, it's like the man, the way Rockstar does like the presentation of online content mm. is so like fucking delightful because yeah. they throw you in like the online has its own story. Okay. And so, like, it just they just inhabit the world that's in the single player, mm. and they just translate it into, into online. Online. Yeah. But then they let you create your own character, which I can finally play as a female cowboy. Nice. Cowgirl, I guess that would be the term. Yeah. What, what, what happened to cow men? Yeah. Why is it always cowboys or girls? <laughs> like, no one grows up to be a cow, cow woman or a cow man. <laughs> you know? It's like 13 years old, I was a cowboy. Like, I'm 57 years old. Can I not be a cow man at this point? I just think cowboys and cowgirls never grow up. I mean, they're That's riding not. horses for a fucking living, aren't they? And and and, yeah. and to that point, why aren't there horse boys? <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, them horse boys. <laughs> they never ride a cow. They never do anything with cows. No, they're always on horses. Always right. on them horse. Yeah, I'm just You're saying. Right. I digress though, but it's <laughs> just saying a red dead redemption. But you have horse cock. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but just the, the online is, re- is really great. Like, it looks gorgeous. You can finally play as a cowgirl. Yeah. And then, like, it's just the same world online, yeah. same graphic, same everything. It's, yeah. like, presented. And it's just, like, I can't wait to dive into a little bit more. It's, it's fun. Do they do anything different for, like, the male and the female characters? Like, female can't carry as much, like, weight or ammo, but then she has, like, better dexterity or something? No, I don't think so. Okay, same, no, same thing. I think but, it's okay. just the same. I think it's just aesthetic purposes. The, the, li- the dialogue is different sometimes. Okay. Like, yeah. Whenever they address you as they, ma'am mm. or lady, and yeah. there's like a certain dialogue choices that, like, because you're a lady in like yeah. the 1890s or whatever, yeah. 
some men are apprehensive to do business with you. Yeah. And so, like, you get really awkward dialogues. Like, I don't usually talk to ladies, mm. but it's just like, nigga, just give me the gun. Just, can I have the gun, please? <laughs> like, please? No? But uh, super fun game. And, like, I'm really having a lot of fun with Red Dead. Yeah. I thought I wouldn't like it because it's so much lower than the first one. Yeah. And I still think the first one is a marginally better game. Okay. But, like, I'm having a lot of fun just faffing around with nice. it. Nice. It's really good. Hell yeah. Uh, I don't think I've done anything other than that, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. I just can't remember anything. I um, Lastly, I seen um, F is for Family, the Bill Burr show. Oh, yeah. Um, that, the season three, I uh, just finished that. I can't say enough about that show. I like the show a lot. I like, I like yeah. it a lot. I mean, Bill it's Burr's based in the 70s. Funny. He's really funny. And just family life from the 70s. That's about all it is. <laughs> I so like good. that all these animated sitcoms finally are taking out of the conversation from Family Guy. You know how long it's been since I've heard the name Family Guy be mentioned? It's been a while, yeah. Because of BoJack Horseman, yep. and fucking Rick and Morty, and yep. Elvis for Family. Yep. Please, God, just get it out of my goddamn TV screen. It'll be over soon I'm enough. I'm fucking tired of It'll it. It'll be over. Yeah. It's just like a, it's like a dead horse trying to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just put it out of his misery. You yeah. Know, it's just, just drowning in its own blood. Yeah. Anyway, after that imagery. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else to say. I just, I have beef. Mm. And it's just the thing. I have beef. Yeah. With people that claim mm. that sweet potato pie mm. and pumpkin pie mm. are marginally better than cherry pie. They're all wrong. Cherry what, what? pie is the superior pie Oh, uh, every other pie. Yeah. I got some, all right, there's lots <laughs> to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so first, like, I want to separate sweet potato pie and pumpkin pie yeah. as they are completely different things and they don't need to be mentioned in the same breath. Like, <laughs> no. Pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie, like, I can't no. categorize, categorize those the same. Like, you can't categorize pumpkin pie with sweet potato nope, pie? No, cannot. Or? I okay, cannot. Yeah, like, they look the same. They yeah, have the same color the same. and the same texture, you know, but it's, it's like... Entirely different flavors. Entirely different. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, I prefer a sweet potato pie yeah. much, much more over a pumpkin pie. Yeah. I'll have a pumpkin pie, yeah. but I'll eat a whole sweet potato pie. <laughs> now, now, so if, if I'm putting in ranking, then I'm saying sweet potato pie above that. So now I'm comparing sweet potato pie to cherry pie. Yeah. Cherry pie know? is a superior pie. Cherry pie's up there. It's the superior pie. It, it's like it's like if it's not top one pie, it's like top two pie. It's one or two, but it's just like if sweet potato. I mean, uh, cherry pie made the perfect way that I love it. It can't be beaten. Yeah, it can't be beaten thing, when yeah. it's made the the perfect right way. But it's just like I've had some cherry pies where it's just overwhelmingly way too many fucking cherries. Like chill out with the cherries. Like all the cherry juice is gonna come out and soak into the crust. Like all right, we got that. Yeah. I don't need like when I eat a cherry pie, I don't want. 15 like different cherries over on the side like give me just enough cherries don't give me too many cherries yeah see see i like it loaded with cherries because mm. i like that bite of the sour tart I like cherry the tart. yeah i like i like just i like biting into just like mm, it, fuck yeah, yeah. but like you, also need that, you also need that little jam mm. that comes from the cherry that's, that's what i want that yeah, jam yeah because yeah, mm. that jam is fucking delicious yes Oh man, that's yes. what you need. See, yeah. and you have that jam. When that jam soaks into that dough, mm-hmm. oh my god! And you get a bite of that crust, and mm-hmm. like you can't beat that that taste. You cannot. No, you cannot. That, that. That's another thing. People don't know how to make a goddamn pie crust. Mm. They don't know how to make a fucking single pie crust. Right? I, I they always that. make them too dry, too mm. crumbly. They don't hold their structure. Yeah. When you cut it, all you have is fucking cherry Just cobbler. flakes everywhere. Yeah. I want a slice mm. of cherry goddamn pie. Yeah. Not a slice of the bottom of a cherry pie mm. with the crumbs of a and top oozy. of cherry. Yep. That is not what I want. Mm-hmm. The filling should be set. Yes. It should have the bite of cherry with the overwhelming sweetness of that jam. Oh, yeah. That's what it should have. Mm. And that cherry pie cannot be destroyed mm. by your goddamn pumpkin 
or mm-hmm. sweet potato no, pie. No, it can't it's just be. Done. No. Blueberry pie, get the fuck out of my I'm house. out with the blueberry apple pie. Apple pie, fuck you. It's got cinnamon in it. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. You can't say <laughs> fuck you to apple pie now. How does it go fuck apple pie? You yeah. don't even have to put cinnamon in the apple pie. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You if you do it without to. cinnamon, I'm okay you with it. You don't even have to do yeah. that. And they got so many different kinds of apples and shit. I know, about, I know about one kind of cherry, although I don't know much about fruit. I know of one cherry. <laughs> well, okay, two cherries. You got solid <laughs> cherries. You got cherries. I know about the red cherry. And I know about the black, the black, black cherry. cherry. I know about those two cherries. Yeah. That's it. But apples, I know about like seven different kinds of apples, and yeah. all those apples make my apple pie taste a little bit different. True. So, you know, so like, I'm, I'm cool with that. For me, my ranking is like cherry pie, yeah. apple pie, mm-hmm. and then every other pie. I'm cool with that. Just like, like I, I can, apple yeah. pie is the pie. Mm-hmm. And so, like in Thanksgiving, it sucks because everybody makes a fucking sweet, sweet potato, potato pie, pumpkin pies, yeah, the fucking pumpkin pies. Yep. And I want me some goddamn cherry pie. Yeah. And if I don't make it, it's or not I don't get made. buy it. I'm not, I like, I have to be the asshole that goes, like, I brought cherry pie, you yeah. goddamn heathens, to, yeah. like, my Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Uh, I say about this because I just ate an entire cherry pie last Ooh, night. nice. And I hated myself immediately after doing it. Why? But it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. that cherry pie. Just because it was so much, like, fucking sugar oh, and, like, yeah. just, like, <gasps> after you're, like, halfway through the pie, it's like, I really don't have to finish this. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I'm, I'm already here, and <laughs> what else am I going to do? Like, I'm going to come back, eat, like, half of a pie. Like, that's not enough <laughs> to really satisfy anybody. I just have to, do, just have to push through it, <laughs> yeah. haven't I? So, yeah. I watch your razor head. Mm-hmm. Eating like a whole oh, half no. of sweet, like fucking cherry. I don't know pie. how you got that down <laughs> with the imagery. <laughs> it was rough, man. It was rough. But that was my day. That was my weekend. Yeah. Fuck every other pie except cherry and apple. I'm with those. Are, those are the two pies that matter. Okay. Not all pies are created equal. They're not. No. They're no. not. No. Sun pies are in the subservient category of flavor. Peach cobbler. I feel like they're subservient. I don't fuck with those guys. Yeah, peach cobbler. It's just fine, mm-hmm. but it's just so sweet. Yeah, you there's know, no, there's no difference in. And flavor or texture or anything mm-hmm. like that. Doesn't do At least with me. the cherry, you can like bite a cherry and yep. still hold that shape, but you yep. can get that sweet jammy thing. Yeah. Listen, I just, I really just want to fucking go to Great British Baking Show and mm-hmm. just, just, just judge. When, when I don't even want to bake. Whenever we have our next guest on, we're going to have to ask them about their, their pie preferences. Yeah, that's you true. We've got to ask about those pie preferences. That's, I, a I good, that's a good way to purge people. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. like, you don't like cherry pie? Okay, yeah, well, go ahead and get the fuck up oh, out of yeah. here. All right, that's, that's enough yeah. of this. Yeah, so, <laughs> episode's over. <laughs> we can talk about the movie we like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. Same. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're going to cut it. We're going to talk about Eraserhead. Uh, we'll be right back. Look. Exploration of the other guy. And then the stakes are done because you know, like you know that he's got nothing to fight for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like that's, that's what kind of fucked for me because like when you, back then it's like you don't know Apollo Creed's gonna get in the ring and die. You know, right, like, yeah. like Creed's dad. You don't know that's gonna happen. It's just like what the fuck. But yeah, I forgot that happened. If I'm being honest. Yeah, with you. yeah. He, he definitely died. Then then Rocky came back and then kicked the Russians' ass. But that's what the movie's about. Like the Russian after he got his ass whooped, everybody in the country of Russia hates him now, and they just left him. And now it's just him and his son, and he's trying to train his son to get vengeance, and he's living vicariously through him. And so, but, is the son the Drogo that we fight in this movie? Is yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. It's a lot of sons fighting each other. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a weird sort of animate thing. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just like, all right, you're born now. Go no, fuck that guy up. Yep. <laughs> you got to avenge the family. 20 years ago. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. man, I just want to learn my Rasengan and go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you ready? Yeah. <clears throat>
Welcome back, uh, Eraserhead. Chris, give us a rundown. Hey, Eraserhead, it came out in 1977, listed as a fantasy mystery movie with a runtime of one hour and 29 minutes. The rundown is Henry Spencer tries to survive his industrial environment, his angry girlfriend, and the unbearable screams of his newly born mutant child. Uh, the writer-director is David Lynch, and it stars Jack Nance, Charlotte Stewart, and Alan Joseph. I don't know if I should say... You're welcome, or you're, or I'm sorry, mm. for what for putting this movie in. No, that was my choice. Yeah. It was your choice. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was my choice because no. it definitely sounds like something that I would just pick, mm. just being a David Lynch and cunt. Mm. And then it's just like, all right, good. So like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I should be mad at you or thanking you. I mean, man, myself or thanking myself too. Like I've never seen this movie. Yeah. I just knew it was David Lynch and a David Lynch movie I haven't seen yet. So I was like, let's see what this is about. It's mm. uh, it's it's. It's David Lynch, all right. I yeah. guess that's the best way to like start it off. It's, yeah, it's 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 the most David Lynch thing that, that I've ever seen. Yeah, like and I've seen Mulholland Drive and uh, Blue Velvet and and fucking yeah. Twin Peaks and Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Yeah, some I've seen some of Twin Peaks. Yeah, but I mean this one right here is odd, peculiar, so strange, um, bizarre. It's it's his first movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's his very first one. And um, they were saying, like, when he made this back in, what is this, um, in 77, that it was just a, um, a independent movie that was in the, uh, the film, like, the midnight film circuits. Yeah, well, yeah. it was done by, it was produced by the American Film Institute. Mm. Like, it was helped done that. And it was still, it had a rocky production. Yeah. And so when it came out, no one really watched it yeah. until it made its way into the midnight circuit. Yeah. Which is like how Rocky Horror Picture Show exactly. also got yep. its following. I, they, I was reading something, David Lynch, who asking him, does he think this movie would survive today, like be able to make it today? He was like, no. It's like there's just the, the market is so oversaturated and it just wouldn't be looked at. Something like we were talking about last Man. week about the oversaturation of you know content and then the good content not being able to rise to the top the same way. But he was like, yeah, had that, that movie not been in the Midnight Circuit and just showing on a billboard on the movie theater week after week, even though nobody's going up to see it, he said it just kind of got trapped in people's subconscious and yep. it was like oh i've seen that name before let me see the movie and um like i said this is his first movie that he's made um it's a brilliant first entry you know it yeah. definitely shows that some a director that very much knows what he's doing he has a an idea and like i said you got the same writer and director whenever you have that mm -hmm. then you get something like so uh you get much more controlled you control. get a much more controlled yeah. product Oh, yeah. The the thing that I find interesting about this movie is that it's it, apart from it being a very much a David Lynchian thing. Oh yeah. It's like you get a view into someone's perspective of the world yeah. in a really weird way. Yeah. So like it's very much I think what I think is a character study from what David Lynch considers what being alive in this oppressive environment yeah. sort of feels like. Yeah. And that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. But the movie itself is just such a weird watch. Oh, yeah. It's, like, so uncomfortable. Oh, like, yeah. There's not a moment in the movie where you just kind of go, like, all right, I'm, I think I know what that's about. <laughs> I, you know? I thought I did. Like, <laughs> by the time this morning, I thought, I think I figured out for my own myself, there's no telling what he's actually trying to say here because right. I was, like, looking up online, and he's not giving any, you know, nah, information he's just about, like, nah, fuck yeah. you, watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like from my understanding, like I feel like it's the because um, I was thinking about like my own like anxieties and like because when when you start the movie and he's just staring off at like a space heater and then noises are going off and it's like what the fuck and is then going suddenly on with this he's guy? in space floating and there's yeah. a dude with levers yeah 
turning is, shit on and on. It's kind of this cosmic anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like thinking, okay, maybe he's just in his mind. Like, this is his representation. We're viewing the way that he sees the world through his own mind. Yeah. Like, this, it isn't, this isn't necessarily the true reality, but this is his reality. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're seeing it through that. And by the time, my, my favorite scene, and this is like one of my top 50 favorite scenes in movies ever, oh. the, um, the dinner scene. Oh, when fuck. I love that so much, like I'm gonna be using that as reference, because <laughs> like um, he goes over and it's the most awkward. And this is where I, where I was thinking maybe I kind of get what's happening. So um, he he gets he gets there and it's like the anticipation and the anxiety of having to meet a girlfriend's parents. Yeah. And I think we've all like been in those situations, like not sure wanting have. to, you know, you're like you're not knowing what's gonna happen. Now they're gonna like you or they're not gonna like you. And it's just that anticipation just sucks. So you finally get there and he's sitting down on. Well, he he meets the most like, hey, nice to meet you, and she just stares back at him doesn't say anything <laughs> he sits down and then he's just looking like he's wearing a suit but yeah. he's just like completely like just disheveled he's <laughs> just like it's just frumpy it's everywhere it's like what the fuck and he then, looks like what i would look like wearing suits like, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like a little disheveled mm. and he's sitting beside his girlfriend and the mother is right there and then um the first thing that she asked him and the, and of course and like that's why i was like i was identifying with it because when you're in that situation like what do you do that's the first thing that she asked him, what yeah. do you do? And it's like, not how are you? Like anything, like she just wants to know how much money, what, what is your yeah, value? How much money can you bring into yeah. this? What yeah. is your value as a human being? What can I use you for? You know, that type of thing. And I'm just like, fuck this fucking bitch. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. And he answers it the way that I would have wanted to respond to. He's like, what do you do? Oh, well, I'm on vacation. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. Oh, I'm sitting on the couch. I'm, I'm also doing that. You know, I go to the bathroom sometimes. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just like, no, what do you do for work? You know, yeah. and then he's like, yeah, I'm a printer. I'm a print head. I do this, that, that, And uh, but when, they, like, she's even feeling that anxiety um, because, <laughs> in the weirdest way. So after she asks him what he does, and then the girlfriend, she's <laughs> she's just sort of dry heaving and has, like, a little asthma attack of some kind. And then the mother just casually just takes a brush and starts brushing her hair <laughs> to calm her down. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? There, there's just a lot of moments when you're like watching the screen and then you look away for a split second because your cat did something in the corner mm-hmm. and then you guys just like wait why the fuck is she hyperventilating yeah. what happened yeah it's just a lot of that yeah like she's <laughs> she's feeling that that same anxiety then he finally answers and then she she chromes the hair and then she calms down and then they sit there in silence for another five seconds and then he looks down and then he sees a dog like a, a mother with like 15 pups just all up. just trying to feed off of that pup. I mean, off, off of that, that one dog. And then, like, the, the imagery there, what it's trying to, like, uh, what I was taking from it is just, like, the responsibility of parenthood or just being an adult being like, and just being leached off and just how your life is just taken from you, right. you know, from with, with these beings. Which and, is uh, very much a theme of what happens yep. later on. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, But but getting to the, the favorite scene, that that starts the favorite scene right there. And then, they, then the, the father walks in. I hope I got oh, fucking God. <laughs> he, he walks in and he's like, "Oh, I thought I thought I heard a stranger. Oh, we having chicken tonight. Strangers, damn things. They're man-made. Little damn things, smaller than my fist, but they're new. I'm Bill." <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on this rant about his legs not working and his knees. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, his knees. Look at these knees. They think pipe just builds itself. I know, sorry, I tell you they don't. Look at these knees right here. Bill, calm down. <laughs> Sitting down at the dinner. He's like, yeah, the, the girls have heard this before, but uh, 14 years ago, I had an operation on my left arm here. The doctor says I would never be able to use it again. But what the hell do they know? I said, so I rubbed it for about a half hour every day, and I could slowly move it a little, and I could turn on the faucet. And pretty soon, I had my arm back again. And now... I can't feel a damn thing in it. It's all numb. I'm afraid to cut it, you know? 
like, what the hell? So like, then, what are you talking about? <laughs> so then he was like, well, uh, so I need you to just go ahead and call up the, the chicken for me. Mm-hmm. And then they show the chickens, and like I said, they're man-made. Like, yep. like what the fuck? And they're they're literally chickens. They look like chicken, but they're this tiny little, like a Cornish hen. Like a cor- yes, yeah. Like a yeah. miniature Cornish hen. Yeah. Yeah. And they look disgusting. Disgusting. They look awful. Yeah, like like I said, they're literally like the size of a fist, yeah. and they're just like eight of them on a pan. And he's looking at them like, "Where in the name of hell is this? <laughs> Never seen anything like this before. Why is everybody just so normal about it?" Mm-hmm. And on top of the normalcy of it, like they, the the mother, she's looking at these chickens, and she's just like drools. <gasps> yeah, <gasps> like she's like about to have an orgasm, mm-hmm. like looking at this chicken, and like the chicken is spurting out like some kind of bloody it's blood. Blood. Yeah, it's blood like, yeah. yeah. Is it's spurting out blood and. And she just like her tongue out. Oh yes. Oh, oh. And then she starts crying. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like after. And, I, and I, when this scene happens, I'm like, I, I want to see the script. Right. I want to see the script. You know, because like, what, what, what kind of actors know? Like, what do you write in there for that? For like, the actor, yeah. Yeah, like stares at chicken. You know, longingly. You know, wants chicken. <laughs> starts to moan sexually, then bursts out dramatically in tears. <laughs> like what the fuck? There's a lot of uncomfortability <laughs> and sexual tension in oh, this yeah. film. Oh yeah. Like there's just like there's just moments where I just go like, David, David, mm-hmm. what, what's happening, man? Mm-hmm. Like. Like that scene with the chicken mm. was uncomfortable. Then oh, yeah. the the thing is like that whole scene, nothing happens. Mm. Nothing, no, nothing really, really happens, no. happens. But like the dad's just like, Yeah, carve the chicken for me mm. and then Jack, I think is his name, Henry mm. Spencer. Yeah. He just goes like picks up a huge knife yeah. and a huge prong fork. Yep. And he just goes like, Do I just do I just, just carve it? Yeah, like it's like a regular chicken. chicken? Yep. It's like, yep, just like a regular chicken, Henry. Mm. And she's just like trying to. The chicken starts moving. There's a close up <laughs> on the chicken. Yep. The mom starts ruling. There's a close up on the chicken again. And it and starts pouring out blood. <laughs> yep. And it's just uncomfortable. And there's like an extreme close up. Yep. And it's like anxiety inducing mm. and disgusting. And yep. then the mom starts crying. Yep. And then everyone, and then like, the mom leaves the room and the daughter follows her. Yeah. And then there's just quiet, oh, complete God. and utter quiet. With the dad and Henry. Yeah. And then Henry just puts the cutting things like down. <laughs> and you just hear this loud like, cling, cling. <laughs> and then it's <laughs> a fucking two shot. And that just goes like, oh, Henry, what do you do? <laughs> no, 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 no. He says, Henry, what do you know? Like, oh, that's really? how, yeah, that's why I was like, I'm cool with him. Like the, the mother was like, what do you do? He's like, oh, so Henry, what do you know? And then it's like, well, I, I don't mo- know much of anything. <laughs> and then and then the dad just smiles at him for like 45 seconds straight, you know, just uncomfortably smiling, like God. waiting for the next act to happen, just staring there. And it's just like that leaves you in that uncomfortability. It like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm, I, I understand that. Just like, what am I supposed to say? What do mm. I do? Like, we're here. It may, we, um, we shot. We were shooting for your uh, Mr. Clean. Yep. And uh, we were having pizza, and then you were, you were carrying the conversation, and everybody was getting in and out, you no. know, of the conversation. Then you left to go to the bathroom, no. and they were sitting there. <laughs> And everybody is quiet, quiet for a moment. And that's what it felt like, you know, yeah. it's like where it's just like, oh shit, what do I say? Does somebody, is he going to say something? Do I say something? Do we just sit here and, and stare at each other? Yeah, like, like what's the weirdest thing I can say that's still socially to, acceptable? To, yeah, yeah, to break to break the ice. So it's like that moment of the dad and him sitting there just in silence and the dad just staring and there's like there's no conversation to be had. That that tension, that awkwardness, like you feel it. And then, he lets you fucking sit. He lets you sit in that shit. And then like after like a full like 30 seconds of sitting in that and then the mother pulls him off to the side. 
God for one of my like continuations of this favorite scene. The mother pulls it off. This is a very long <laughs> sequence of events. Yes, just like uh, Henry, may I speak, speak to you for a minute over here? Um, um, do you and Mary have sexual intercourse? Then Henry just what the fuck? Uh, why? <laughs> like the did you? Uh, why are you asking me this question? I have a very good reason, and I want you to tell me. It was like um, I, 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 I love Mary, Henry. I asked if you and Mary have had sexual intercourse. Well, I, I don't I, I don't think that's any of your business. Henry, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. He said, you're going to be in very bad trouble if you don't cooperate. Mm-hmm. And then she starts to like get up on his, like licking his neck. Yeah, trying to kiss him. <laughs> the, mo- like- the mother, you know, goes up and like starts to like kind of sexually seduce him. And like one of the most weird, random things, like you don't think that's about to happen. Right, like, he's no, being don't. interrogated. It seems it's like it's just random. Like she might as well have just pulled a bird out of her ass. Yeah. You know, like how random the next thing she did is. If you don't cooperate, you're gonna be in trouble. Then, like, starts trying to make out with her daughter's boyfriend. Yep. You know, then he calls out for Mary. Mary comes and gets the mother off of him. You know, and then she's like, "Oh well." Um, he's like, "Well, there, there's a baby. It's at the hospital, and you're the father." And he was like, "What? That, that's impossible. It's only been well." She said, "Well, they're, they're not sure it's even a baby." Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that line lands, and they're just like, "I don't even know what that means." Mm-hmm. I'm not going to worry about it. Because, <laughs> like, that's a lot of what this movie is. Mm-hmm. A lot of this movie, things happen, and you go, like, I don't know what the fuck that was. Mm-hmm. I'm going to not think about it yeah. if I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that scene, that, that that landed for me, and I was just like, I don't even know if it's a baby. And yeah. I just, I'm like, all right, well, that's going to come back at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm going to not think about that. It's <laughs> so bad. As, so as, as soon as we got to the baby being in the apartment mm-hmm. with the um, with Henry and Mary, mm-hmm. I immediately started looking at this movie through what I felt like was your perspective. <laughs> From all the conversations that <laughs> the- we had about you hating babies and children <laughs> and how they were ruining your life and how your view of it, like I put you into Her- Henry's yeah. place and then like him viewing the baby as some mutant child. You yeah. know, it's like it doesn't really look like that, but in his perspective, it is terrible, it's evil, it's destroying my life, it won't stop crying, I hate this piece of shit. Like he looks at it like that, but it's like, in reality, it was probably like just a four-pound pink baby that was just normal. Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't know if there's a subjective reality and an objective reality in this film. For mm. me, the objective reality is the surreality of the film. Okay. Like, for me, what's happening on screen is actually what's happening. Mm. It's just that what's happening on screen is a metaphor for the real-life equivalent yes. of that. Yeah. So, like, I don't think that Henry is seeing this kid be a fucked up kid while it's not a fucked up kid. Mm. I just think that that's what's happening. And what we're getting out of it is the anxieties of having an actual kid. That's what I think is happening. I think the reality is real in the movie universe, but entirely metaphorical in our audience universe. That's what I think is happening. I don't think that there's there's a disconnect between Henry... It's reality and the actual reality of the film. The the reason why I think so is just the um, the dream sequences, you know, with um with, with um with him and the um radiator lady, the, the radiator lady, shit, yeah. and then uh, the other scene where um his head falls off, and then uh, they take his bed. Like uh, those things are uh, disconnected from the actual true reality of what yeah, the movie yeah, would yeah, right. be. But the um the re- reason I was thinking the baby would be a metaphor for the actual baby is like the crying and being annoyed by it, and it's crying all night, and you Amazing. can't stop the, the and it just I've lived through it, you know, for yeah. like a first time father with the first 
first-time mother, and they don't give you any instructions. No. They just hand you a kid and be like, go home. But like, what the fuck? Like, you, I've never had a, been around a child before in my life. What do I do with this? You know, <laughs> like, and listen, that's, man, you got to help out. Like, yeah, <laughs> and that's where they are. Like, two people without instruction books, young and not ready to have a child. And the baby afterwards crying uncomfortably, and we're sitting with that for what feels like 15 minutes, you know, ah, 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 and then seeing this terribly-looking kid, the mother gets up. It looks like a charm man there. It kind of little, yeah, it like, looks a, like grayish, a little Charmander. alien Charmander type yeah. thing, yeah. The 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 mother, she finally goes over to it, gets in his face. Shut up! Just shut up! You shut up! You know, just tell, like she doesn't have the tools to you know to be able to to help, handle it. To yeah. handle it, yeah. So he just gets in the baby's face, tell him to shut up. This is the that's the scene that made me the most uncomfortable. Is immediately after she started screaming at this, get to shut up. She mm. goes to the frame of the bed. Mm. And then just starts crying against it and like rubbing her face like she's a fucking cat against one of the bars. Mm. And she just does that for like 40 seconds. I love that scene. Because you, like, you don't know why she's doing it. I don't at know. First. I have no idea what's happening. Like, mm. like, it really does make me feel like Henry, mm. where he's just like sitting in his like, like, what, like, what the fuck yeah. is happening? Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I, I like David. Why David Lynch did that? Because like she's she's trying to because she's about to leave and she's trying to get her suitcase from no. underneath the bed. But it's like it's taking her so long, like her yanking back and forth. And no. it's like like I said, forty five seconds of him just staring at her right up against the, the pose of the bed. Like what the fuck are you oscillating back and forth right here <laughs> yeah. for so long? Like not saying anything about it. Like and then she finally pulls the suitcase. And it's like okay, that's what she's doing. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's like this was very like weird. For forty seconds. <laughs> yeah. Just like, what? <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. the fuck? Yeah. And like I said, just like the, the new parents and they have a crime baby, they don't know how to tend to it. It's like they don't like, oh, should we walk around with it? Should we pick it up? Should we coddle it? Like, what should we do? Oh, let's yell at it, tell it to shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, no, they did right. that. And then just like thinking is like, okay, the baby might be sick or might need attention. And then the, the mother, she leaves. She may have a uh, postpartum, you know, something like that. That no. may be what he's trying to indicate with that but uh she ends up leaving and leaves him with the baby alone and shortly after the baby breaks out which i would like looked at as like jaundice or just some type of um it's, it's illness sores. that kids have it's just sores. Yeah. 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 i mean just like to to compare it to like a, a actual living oh, baby okay, okay, you know you, it's you. like um what babies normally go through like a jaundice or just some type of thing or colic or things that babies normally have as kids yeah. and they get sick and they cry and their because immune of system it. is shite yeah yeah so like he, he realized that oh the reason my baby is crying is because my baby is actually sick like like it's not just being a piece of shit, although it probably is. <laughs> you know, it's but it happens so quickly. Like he gets up and he takes the temperature of the kid. Yeah. And then we have this like it's like a, it's it's really like every shot in this movie lingers three seconds past uncomfortable. Mm, yeah. You know, like it makes you uncomfortable, and then you have like five more seconds of that shot. <laughs> I was sitting in it, yeah. And then so like he's looking at this thermometer and he's doing just just very slow, very atmospheric music. Yeah. Very oppressive cinematography in yeah. terms of like the environment is so dark and you have such sparse lighting oh, yeah. that like you don't you know where he's at but you don't really know what the environment looks like half yeah. the time yeah. you don't know if he if he slipped into sort of reality again yeah. if he's actually in that space it's kind of weird that and, the um the the slipping into the, like the surreality part again for me was the um the next door neighbor like, um, he sees her in reality at the beginning of the movie, and then she's saying, uh, yeah, Mary called. She wants you to meet by the parents or something like that. He's like, okay. And they present her like a dark, seductress, uh, seductive, enchantress-like type yeah. of woman, you know? And uh, we don't see her again till later, which is that um, that surreal moment, you yeah. know? Because for him, it's like now this metaphor is another thing I had to experience, unfortunately, is um, now, like, this kid is ruining your, your life, and, like, there's a beautiful woman over there that you have the possibility of having sex with, which in reality you don't right. but in your mind in your mind you do you know and then in this surreality she's like oh I, I locked myself out of the apartment and it's so late 
can I just stay with you? <laughs> you know, oh, where's your wife? Like, I, I don't know. Like, maybe she went to her parents' house. Oh, okay. And then we start fucking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, but then. It's very the, porn plot. Yeah, yeah. And the baby is just crying and still trying to ruin it, you know, but then they just melt in together into this milky substance yeah. and of, of bliss and his and happiness. He finally gets to experience it, but then he's back to reality and then he ultimately has to do what he does with this kid. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, man. That's it's insane. so like the imagery is so fucking like it's not i don't want to say it's messed up i don't want to say like like he, there's a reason why we have the word lynching mm. in our lexicon when yeah. we talk about cinema yeah and that's because he's a unique dude yeah he's just a very unique filmmaker oh yeah he knows what he wants to portray mm. he knows how to do it he knows how to get the tone that he wants mm -hmm. But the thing is, just like like this is one of those movies where people try to analyze it all mm. of the fucking time. Yeah. And I really think that there's no point in analyzing this film mm, in terms of like trying to extract thematics that are deeper than what's obviously there, which is okay. like the, yeah. which is like the the, the anxieties of new parenthood. Yep. That's clearly a thematic that's Definitely. there. The sort of oppressive sexual discomfort mm. that's in the film. That's yep. also a thematic that's there. Yep. And sort of like, apart from how those things make you feel as a person, yeah. there's not a lot of thematics to break down from this movie. No. There's a lot of really gorgeous imagery and sort of existential anxieties mm. being portrayed. Uh, like the lever man is one of my favorites because it okay. shows that like everything that's happening in the world is controlled, controlled by yep. some sort of cosmic figure that mm. we don't understand. Yeah. So like, I like that cosmic anxiety. I like that existentialism that comes with that metaphor. Mm. But apart from those three things, I don't think there's a lot more to break down mm. in terms of film thematics. What there is a lot to break down in this film is technicality. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, in terms of audio, yeah. you know, like, like the, the movie, like my favorite thing about this movie was the sound design. Okay, sound design for this film took a year to do it, uh, and and like I'll, I'll, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised because the dialogue in this movie feels awkward. It feels out of place. It feels like when you take it feels like when you take an audio file and then you overlay it on top of a film. It feels like rudimentary ADR. Mm. And I think that that's on purpose. You know, like he could have shot uh, on set audio. Yeah. And it could have made it work. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like his choice to shoot MOS and then overlay the audio in ADR once he had the sound studio mm -hmm. was a deliberate one because yeah. now every dialogue sounds slightly disconnected from the film yeah there was um i looked that up because i was into the sound too mm -hmm. he said um a person interviewed him he said did you chase a sound that you had in your head during production or did the sound design come later uh, he said it was a film that was inspired by the city of philadelphia it's an industrial world is a smokestack industry world is a factory workers home tucked away and out of time mm -hmm. you know so he wanted to have that you know what i'm saying like you're living in a rundown industrial town that just feels that way and it definitely comes Across. Definitely does. Definitely yeah. does. There's also like this. The, another like, maybe thematic is the fear of the industrial worker's life. Yeah. You know. Yep. Like it's very oppressive. It's yep. very you're at the whim of the world around you, and you're, at some point you've been abandoned by time. He'll eventually. Um, without thinking of the parallel, he'll Henry will eventually become his girlfriend's father. You know, right, the one yeah. that's been working for the pipe country company for thirty years and has now just become a crazy old man. You know, out of touch with the world, doesn't even realize his daughter is pregnant. Right. You know, it's just another person out there. That's just it, and that's kind of like there's there's a set of that being thematically present. Mm. But other than those maybe three or four things, I just think that the weird imagery is just there to supplement 
those three things. Like mm. not every shot means something. Not everything in the shot means mm. something different. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like a lot of these things are just representation of the same time. Yes. The dog. Yeah. The mother yep. giving the girl a panic attack. Mm. The mother in their business about the pregnancy. Yep. Her saying, "Well, you're going to get married." It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a sort of it's a commentary on being a person in the 1970s yeah. and close to the 1980s. Mm where a lot of the oppressive behaviors that would later be challenged yeah. are still very much present mm -hmm. and how uncomfortable they make everyone around those behaviors feel. Yeah. That's what I feel the movie is really thematically saying. Mm -hmm. It's just like we live in a world where everybody's just uncomfortable, everybody knows it, and everybody pretends it's not happening. Yeah, the um, I I feel like he was wanting to go to a um a state of bliss rather yeah. than a state of reality and existence, and that that thematic is coming through with um I I don't know this lady's name, but she had the big cheeks, the radiator lady. The radio, That's literally yeah. what she's called, the radiator. Radio lady, yeah, radio yeah. lady. And the lyrics of what she's singing, the in heaven everything is fine, in heaven mm -hmm. everything is fine. You got yours and I got mine. And then he walks up to her, and then she just her hands are every time she opens her hands, a bright white light glow, then mm -hmm. close again. Bright white light glow, and um, well, I'm trying to get to like that ignorance part uh, where he really wants in that bliss part. And going back to what the name of the movie is, Eraserhead. And when his head comes off in that surreal moment, mm -hmm. the kid and picks the it kid's up. inside of the head, yeah, too. yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was a representation of the, him being judged by his child, like eventually his child will grow up to become him. And what the why would a child want to become him? He's terrible like right, in his yeah, mind yeah. you know but um but the kid picks up the head and then takes it to a factory and then they take it from and the eraser head is him wanting to erase these thoughts erase the mm -hmm. girlfriend the kid this life this existence just erase all of it and the lady that's inside the radiator that's constantly singing to him in heaven everything is fine you know it's just like okay there's a place to where i don't have to have responsibilities of the world of this kid of any of that it, everything could just be fine and peaceful erase my brain yeah. erase all the problems and you know just live in, in bliss yeah you know? and that's a very good that's a very good analysis of it oh yeah, yeah I and so. i think and like but uh, i i i agree with the idea that like there is some escapism that he wants to achieve oh yeah which is what the radio lady symbolizes yeah and it's kind of what the guy with the levers kind yeah. of does which yeah. is kind of like he's in control of the world yeah. you really have no control over nope. your own choices or you're kind of predestined to become this fucking thing but yeah. you also want to escape from that yep. so that's what the radio lady sort of signifies and then when and those are the moments really of peace that Henry has, and then he yeah. comes back to reality, and there's this kid, yeah. and sort of the kid is driving him mad. Oh yeah, uh, slowly, but he never really shows any real like it's not mad in the same way that like enraged mad or or mm. sort of it's just like such a level of primal anxiety mm -hmm. that you surrender to doing things that would normally seem so disgusting to you. Such as, such as, pulling a scissor out of putting a pair of scissors out of the dresser, mm -hmm. and then going up to your child who's wrapped up in this little bundle of clothes. I and thought then, it was clothes, but uh, was that it, just it his was skin? Rags. It was like rags. It okay. was like like bandages. I was like, I was wondering if that bandage was just actually part of his skin. Well, here here's what it is. So he cuts the rag open, mm -hmm. and then the baby's organs start flopping about. Yeah, and then that moment is horrific enough already. Oh yeah. And then he just goes like, nope, I'm going to cut that bitch's heart out. Yeah. And then just slices the heart with the scissors. Yeah. And then the baby just starts splitting everywhere. So what happened is with that child, mm. it's born without skin. Mm. So when it came out of Mary, 
it didn't have any skin. Okay. So the doctors wrapped nope. it up in bandages. I got you. Uh, and so, like, the baby literally cannot live without yep. those bandages. Yeah. And But we don't know that. He no. doesn't know that. So he just slices the baby's racked up, sees all the organs, and he just goes, like, what the fuck? And then just slice. Mm-hmm. He wants to get rid of this yes, fucking thing because it's much. ruining his goddamn life. Yep. And so, like, the movie becomes this metaphor for, like, how, like, anxieties get the best of you yeah. and how, like, when you're stuck in a place that you don't want to be with people you don't want to be around and a mm-hmm. circumstance that you don't want to be around, how drastic of a measure you're willing to take to get out of those circumstances yeah. and out of that life. Yeah. And that's a very, how do you say, I, I don't want to say it's a common sentiment in the 70s and 80s because I wasn't there, but it's mm-hmm. a very, anim- it's a very common atmosphere from the movies of the 70s and 80s yeah. where people are escaping their lives yep. and people are running away and doing the party thing yeah. and sort of just not caring about the normal yeah. responsibilities of what was previous to that. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot of what this movie is portraying metaphorically yeah. through this child and sort of the the themes of people leeching off of you, yeah. you know, and all of these parasitical like animals and creatures waving around in the shots and getting killed and all of that. Yeah. You know? So that that's kind of what I'm thinking that this movie really is yeah. trying to say. But that's also what I think the movie's trying to say to me because those are my anxieties. Yeah. No. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's something that David Lynch said too. Um, it was like I can't, I don't want to explain the movie or what my interpretation of what the movie is. What he did go on record saying is every interpretation that he's ever read or heard from someone else, no one has ever got it right from what yeah. his interpretation of it was. Right. You know, but um, a lot, a lot of the same things that me and you are talking about right now, that's the interpretation a lot of people get. But the reason he doesn't want to give that is because he says everyone comes into a movie with their own baggage, their own anxieties, their own life experiences. So a lot of the way the things that you take from the movie are things that you brought yourself. Yeah. You know, so it's like a different way of seeing it than he even possibly had thought about of you seeing yeah. it that way. So I mean, I, I love it for that. And, and he's pro- and knowing him, he's probably like someone might have gotten it right. Yeah, he's but just he's not, not going to admit that yep. someone got it right. Yeah, because he wants that experience for the audience. Yep. He's he's a very talented filmmaker, but he's mm. also very concerned about the artistic yes. integrity of everything he makes. Yep. So like I wouldn't be surprised if he's holding out, even if someone did get it Seriously, right. Yeah. If he just would be like, no, you didn't get it right. Fuck you. Yeah, because he doesn't, he doesn't want to put the movie in a box, and then yeah, now right. you can only experience it this way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I agree with you as far as like what the movie's about. Like, what note did I write about it? Um, I said that I feel like it's largely about fear and how that uh, emotion can affect your own mind, yeah. fear and anxiety, and how it can affect you and your outlook of the world. But but yeah. And that, and, and and I think that that like just that mm. being like just that being the core thematic of the film allows for so much more other types of thinking depending on who watches the film. Yeah. And I think that's a beauty of, of this film. It, mm. it is weird. Imagery oh, God, is gross yes, and weird. grotesque. Oof. And a lot of the shots that you're going through, you're going like, why the fuck am I watching this? Man, and like, it's just like that kind of feeling. 30 like, minutes into it, it's like you want to call up David Lynch be like, hey, David Lynch, quick, quick, quick question. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> hey, David, are uh, you okay? Because uh, I'm watching this shit and like, what the fuck? Yes. Um, it, really, it really does feel like that. It's yeah. like, the movie barrages you with mm. things that are so nonsensical that yeah. you kind of just have to ride with it. Yeah. And by riding with it, you become an avatar of Henry mm. because Henry goes through this yeah. and then he just accepts anything that's happening yep. because that's just his new normal. That's the new normal, yeah. And it's just like, oh, I, I guess this is it. <laughs> this is my life now. <laughs> so, and, and that sentiment is really good yeah. in terms of like me empathizing with henry mm. and there's not a lot to empathize with mm. but 
you become Henry yeah. while you're watching the film. Yep. And that's something that a lot of filmmakers can't do yeah. with their protagonists and yeah. their characters. And But apart from like, yes, it's weird. Yes, it's why we have the definition of the word lynching. Yep. Yes, it's an artsy film. And yes, mm. people that are pretentious and sort of like creaming about cinema all the time mm. will tend to watch this movie as a holy grail of okay. things. Yeah. And yeah, the conversations around there are annoying, but the movie itself is an interesting fucking watch. I, I love the fact that like when it was, when this movie was put out, mm-hmm. like you can tell, and we talk about this a bit about Criterion movies mm-hmm. when you make a movie with the purpose of trying to be very artsy and make a Criterion type movie. Yeah. This movie, I don't feel like that was it was made I with don't that intent feel at all. So either. You know, it's just I feel like it wasn't contrived. It was just this is my vision. This is the way that I want to make a mm-hmm. movie, and it happened to be put into the Criterion yeah. in 2014. You know, but and, and that, well, that's why I like this movie yeah. a lot. Like this is through and through the kind of movie that I would hate. Mm. It has very little structure. Mm. It has very little in the way of like in, like flashy editing or mm. anything like that. Yeah. It's just very quiet, very still, Super very quiet. slow. Mm. And then, but slow in a fast paced way. Like like nothing happens, but everything it, happens yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And just like the movie really doesn't overstay its welcome. No, it it knows that it's a long movie to watch. It knows that it's an uncomfortable well, not long, movie to watch. But uncomfortable. I think it's like uh, an hour and twenty minutes or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, right. But like the frames, it's an hour and twenty nine minutes. Yeah. But like the frames are long, the yeah. shots are long, oh, yeah. the things are slow, the oh, conversations yeah. are kind of weird. Yeah, and like it's asking a lot of an audience. Mm-hmm. So Lynch just pushes it through and through. It's yep. just like, all right, you sat here for a minute. Let me give you the next plot point. Yeah, yeah. And then you sat here for three minutes in this weird conversation. Let me give you the next thing. Yep. So there is there is a very much sense of like reward, like like just like rewards for the audience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, all right, you, you sat yeah. through 45 seconds of that stare Here's down. This. Yeah. Let me give you the next bit of conversation that makes sense and like proceeds the story mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. And then, so that's kind of the cycle of the movie, which means that the movie never gets exhausting mm-hmm. because you spend the right amount of time being uncomfortable and then the right amount of the time movie. knowing why you were uncomfortable. Yeah. And then that's a good formula for, for this film, which yeah. I really, really, really like. Yeah. Um, but this is normally a type of movie that I hate through and through mm-hmm. because it, it does seem like Criterion bait. It does seem like it was made specifically to be in the Criterion collection. Mm-hmm. And if it was, it probably wouldn't have been as interesting. But... Knowing David Lynch's work and knowing that I've seen Mulholland Drive and I saw Twin Peaks and then watching this, which is his first thing, after I watched those things, I can tell that his tone and the way that he sees human interaction Mm -hmm. is really just, that's just how he sees the world. And then when you look back at this, it's just like, oh, that's just those things exaggerated. Yep. And and I really like that because like my favorite fact, my favorite aspect of Twin Peaks mm. is how um, what's the fuck's his name, the main guy. I only seen like some of the first season. Yeah, it's like the, the detective, the, the, the main detective. Yeah. Um, he is a very rational person. Mm. He's a very just naturalistic person. Yeah. And but the moment he's presented with nat with supernatural elements, he doesn't dismiss them because he's a rational guy. Mm. In fact, he's so rational. That if he sees evidence of supernatural elements, he just accepts the supernatural elements because there was evidence of it. So he just kind of goes with the flow and accepts that that's the new normal. That's what he has to deal with. And you see that in in Eraserhead. And then you see how that is the driving force of Twin Peaks. Mm. And then you see how the weird imagery is the driving force of Mulholland Drive. Mm. 
and it's really interesting to see how those translates in, in other movies. Did, did you see the um, the shot that he, I assume that he had to have taken this from this movie and then just expounded upon that? And um, so the scene with the lady with the big cheeks, radio lady, mm-hmm. the floor is a checkered white and black floor. And then the, um, the um, what, what would you call the, the curtains? Yeah, the the curtains are a certain kind of red, dark red curtains. Yeah, so this, they're, they're kind of like blood red. Blood red curtains, yeah. yes. If you, watch, if you watch Twin Peaks, there's a scene where he has a, a little person mm-hmm. dancing around on a checkerboard white and black floor, tile floor, with a red curtains behind it, <laughs> you know, being a very awkward and weird type thing with yeah. some weird music playing in the background. I just, it made me think immediately about the mm-hmm. radio girl and then just the Twin Peaks, like, use that same kind of aesthetic later. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you are odd, ball guy <laughs> yeah he's an odd, he's an odd dude yeah. and god damn it i love his filmmaking yeah. just for the sake of like it's his his own voice yes man. it's he unique does not it's different care. yeah and i appreciate the hell out of that me too and also the just fun fact you see the little piles of dirt with trees in henry's apartment oh yeah yeah on, the, on, the, on the uh the dresser yeah, the tree yeah, with yeah. The dirt. turns out <laughs> fucking david lynch someone posted a picture of like a dining room table mm. that david lynch had and it was just a pile of dirt with like a fucking tree on it <laughs> so like it's what? Just, okay <laughs> right. it's just like all right, i know what the representation representation of that was because later when we see that uh that dream sequence or whatever when his head pops off mm-hmm. then a large version of that tree with the dirt you know shows up to him like what is this dirt yeah, tree what is or, this shit doing? Like, i don't know um but yeah they, they david lynch's philosophy is really interesting to me his movies yeah. are interesting oh, to yeah. me and he's just kind of like he's kind of like this playful character. Mm. That sh- he's like a playful goth. Yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of what I, I, I feel about him. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, I think this movie is a, it's a charming thing, mm. uh, in a weird, grotesque sort of way. Yeah. What would you, what would you rate this? Uh, rating uh, like a seven and a half, uh, seven point five. I'm um, not going to be seeing it again anytime soon, but I'm like very glad that I watched it. I'm glad that it's like in my memory banks now mm-hmm. and knowing of David Lynch's work within this one being the first one. Um, but like a seven and a half is what I so give it. Yeah. I'm going to go eight mm-hmm. just because I was so intrigued by the sound design. Okay. Yeah. Like the, the, like a lot, the movie is good yeah. and I do like the movie, but the sound design for me, it was nice. so fascinating. Yeah. And he blends unnatural sounds with organic sounds. Yeah. So like, there's a scene where the Mary is sweating and she's rubbing her eye. Yeah. And that sound is literally the sound of like damp fingers running through glass. Mm. That that is yeah. Yeah. It's that sound. Yeah. And it just it's just like, why the fuck would you put that sound there and yeah. sound the sign? Yeah. But it just blends in with the unnatural charm of whatever you're doing. Yeah. So like, I guess, fuck it. It's good sound design. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like the sound design, I was very intrigued by. Okay. And so like that, that elevates the movie a lot. Let's see that. Because if I were to watch this movie again, I'd absolutely watch it with the angle of just like checking out that sound, sen- checking out the sound, and only checking out it, but going like, all right, so this is what the shot is saying. Yep. This is what I want to say with the sound. Mm. How do I exaggerate that mm. and sort of give what I want to say a little bit more? <laughs> than what it that what normally would be sound design as. Yeah. Yeah. Um so like you could have just done that on a microphone yep. and just boosted it up. And been done with it, yeah. But it just goes like, no, that feels like when you rub glass yeah. with a damp finger. Let me do that. That's pretty smart. And and so like it, for those kind of creative sound design decisions, I think the decisions, this movie is phenomenal. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um yeah. Eight. Yep. Seven and a half, eight. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Recommend yeah. like if you're a movie person and like I said it's David Lynch so I mean if you're if you're a movie head you're gonna have to see David Lynch's movies at so, some I mean, point yeah, yeah. So and I like, think I think 
How many movies has he got? He's got Mulholland Drive. I've seen three. I know seen of three. Uh, Mulholland Drive, this, and the um, Blue Velvet. And Blue Velvet, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Blue Velvet yet. You I have to see that. it. Yeah. Um, Twin Peaks. Also, like Twin Peaks is just a good procedural television show, as well. David Lynch is just a fucking fascinating filmmaker. Yeah, he is. And uh, whether you like him or not, you have to acknowledge his skill and oh, yes. sort of his vision. Yeah. And I, I think that's important as hell in, in this world. There's not a lot of filmmakers that can do that. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I have to say Same. about yeah. uh, Eraserhead. So if you want to learn something and if you want to learn about the first work that David Lynch ever did, absolutely watch this movie. Definitely. I recommend it for sound design. If you're a cinematographer, you might get something out of the weird angles and, so. and sort of the way he places the camera. Um, but watch it. To, this is a movie that you watch to learn about how to make movies, I think. And uh, that's it. Yeah. So we're going to cut and then come back with television and movie premieres. Hey, hey. Bye. Dumbass plant Pokemon. Get the fuck out of my... <laughs> <laughs> it does some weird shit, like that damn giraffe neck. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> All right, welcome back. Television and movie premieres. Oh, right. And also bragging about our Pokemon. Oh, yeah, look at that big Pokemon dick. Television and movie premieres for the week of Tuesday, December the 4th through Monday, December the 10th. Uh, the first one's going to be Tuesday, de- December the 4th. It's Russell Brand Rebirth. It's Russell a, Brand. Mm, I like Russell Brand. Me too. I like yeah. him a lot. He talks very quick, and he's yeah. exhausting to listen to, but yes. I like him a lot. That's very on point. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the type of person I like a lot, like, a, um, like Mark Maron, too. Mm-hmm. They, um, the reason why is because they've been in such like bad places dealing with just their own depression, anxiety, and heavy drug use, yeah. and then they've come away from it, and now they have to find new ways and able to cope in society. Yeah. You know, things, the same, try to find that same happiness. And I just like how, how, um, how Russell Brand has been able to handle it, how Mark Maron has been able to handle it, you know, just finding those new ways to find They're happiness. They're good role models, man. Yeah. They, they really are. are. It sounds weird that we would be seeing like former, like super hardcore drug addicts or role models, but like yeah. not even being facetious at They're all. Emotionally, like emotionally abusive, fucked up, broken yeah. drug addicts. Yes. Make really good role models if they pull their shit together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. Specifically those two. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's Tuesday, December the 4th. Russell Brand Rebirth is a comedy special that's going to be on Netflix this Tuesday. Uh, the next thing is Wednesday, December the 5th. The Marvelous Miss Maisel. This shit is great. Marvelous Miss Maisel. The Marvelous Miss Maisel. That movie? A television show on uh, oh, Amazon. The, uh, the first season I watched, my girlfriend put me on it. It's really, oh, the movie really good. Oh, was Miss Pellegrin's. No, yeah, yeah, oh, oh. yeah, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Go yeah, on. This is... It's, it's, a, it's a television show about um, a lady in the 60s, mm-hmm. and her husband wants to be a stand-up comedian. He has a day job, but uh, his other job, he, he wants to be a stand-up this. comedian. Yeah. Yeah. And she's helping write some of the jokes or whatever, and then he sucks, and he won't listen to her advice. And then she finally gets up after he divorces her and like leaves in the middle of the night wearing her nightie and everything and just goes up and goes on stage on an open mic. And this is the 60s, a woman in a nightie on stage. Yeah. It's already like, whoa, what it's the like, fuck? What the fuck is yeah. happening? And she just got up and just, it wasn't even so much jokes that she just told her how miserable she was yeah. and what her life was like and people were just laughing and then at the end she flashed the audience showing titties in the <laughs> 60s they're like what the fuck and then they called the police the police come and hauled her off the stage they put her inside they put her in the paddy wagon and she's back in the paddy wagon with legendary comedian Lenny Bruce <laughs> you know and then it's like what did they get you for the same thing they got you for being vulgar and <laughs> whatever same but, thing they got you for <laughs> yeah but, um, but yeah it's, it's a really good show see 
season one was super good. Season two is coming out. They um, it won eight Emmys for season one for the de- debut. Oh, so that. I mean, oh yeah, is, it, is this Maggie Gyllenhaal? Uh, no, no, that's uh, that's the Deuce. Oh, that's the Deuce. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, I don't recognize this lady. What her name is, I could find it, but um, but yeah, but yeah, she she's awesome. She's doing a really good job. The marvelous Miss Maisel, Wednesday, December the fifth, is going to be on Amazon Prime. Um, we got a few movies coming out, but nothing really big of a note. Uh, the first one's going to be Mary, Queen of Scots. It's, uh, you heard about that one? Mm, vaguely. It's, it's rated R, 124-minute runtime. It's a biography drama history movie with a 71 meta score. The rundown is Mary Stewart's attempt to overthrow her cousin, Elizabeth I, Queen of England, finds her condemned to years of imprisonment before facing execution. Jesus Christ, that oh. sounds exhausting. So she she tries to overthrow her cousin, Elizabeth, the Queen of England, mm-hmm. and then gets thrown in jail for a good long time and then gets her head cut off. All right. Let them eat cake. It's also, it's also <laughs> Rachel Bronahan. No, no. Yeah, Rachel Bronahan's the, the star of Rachel. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Marie Antoinette, she's French, but the joke still stands. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, it's starring uh, Margot Robbie. Um, hopefully she's playing the, uh, the character that's beheaded. She's I hope a, so too. She's a really good actor. Like she I, is. She I is. didn't, I didn't know from um, is was that Wolf of Wall Street? That was Amber Heard. That was uh, ooh, I th- no, I think that was her. M- yeah, Robbie. Okay, but her. yeah, I, I seen, I seen her, and then she was in something with Will Smith that I that I liked too. She was in a well, Margot. Oh, that's the um, Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's Margot Robbie. Yeah, Margot Robbie, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. I didn't know that she was a great actor in Wolf of Wall Street because yeah. I mean, she had other great actors to act off of. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Leo. And also, she wasn't particularly featured that featured much. in the movie like she no. was naked a lot in yeah. the first part of the movie and then she was angry at Leo angry and yelling yeah you know so she didn't have a lot of chance to no. show that acting's coming with a wall street Mm-mm. but then i seen her in the movie um i don't know if this is the name of it it was the tanya harding movie where she played yeah. this ice I skater tanya. i tanya yeah mm-hmm. and after that i'm like oh no you are a very good she's actress good. you know I, I, I love that and um but yeah she's gonna be a mary queen of scots uh that's coming out this weekend She's got a unique face, mm-hmm. Margot Robbie. Yeah. I feel like she... The Aussie face. Is she Australian? Yeah. Oh, shit, didn't know that. Oh, yeah. She's got that kind of... Yeah, she's got that kind of, like, like rough mm-hmm. face that... It's like a resting bitch face, mm-hmm. but, like, not at a resting bitch face. It's kind of like, I might be angry right now. I might not. Maybe not. I might want to try it out. Yeah. And I just feel like it's an interesting face to see in, yeah. in, on screen. Oh, yeah. Because you never really... It just disguises itself as whatever she wants to disguise yeah. as that. I mean, yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I love that. I mean, I'm, yeah. she's super attractive, but the fact that she's more talented than attractive is, oh, yeah, the fucking <laughs> talent. Ah, mm. oh, fuck that talent. God, I'm ready. <laughs> fuck the shit out of that talent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. That's what's attractive. <laughs> but, um, that, that's uh, Mary Queen of Scots. The, uh, the next thing is Ben is back. It's rated R, 103-minute runtime. It's a drama with a 63 meta score. A Guess who's back, 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 back again. again. It's Ben. Ben. ben, yeah, ben. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, know, this is, a, a drug-addicted teenage boy shows up unexpectedly at his mother's home, well, at his family's home on Christmas Eve. Uh, director is Peter Hedges, and it stars Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges. Mm. All right. All right. No, I don't have a lot to say about it. No, I mean, it's Julie it just Roberts. Looks like, it looks like one of those, like, very oscar baby movies, you know? Like, they're looking for, like, drama performances, you know? Yeah. The, yeah. But it's got a 63-minute score, so. Yep. Yeah. No. I Should mean, it's like I'm kind of interested. I mean, that the 
I know what's, what this is. It's just like the typical family and everybody's happy and fine and good. And then the teenage outcast has been outcast away from their family that's been on drugs for the longest and cast away comes in and then just shakes up the entire normalcy the of the family. Yeah, 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 I've seen this movie a million times. But um, but it looks, it's got good actors in it. Yeah, it's got, right, good, yeah, got yeah. some good actors. Um, and the last movie is Vox Lux. It's rated R Vox with a 110-minute runtime. It's a drama musical. It has an 80, has an 80 meta score. Oof. A uh, unusual set of circumstances brings unexpected success to a pop star. The director is Brady Colbert and um, Corbett. Corbet? Corbet? C O R B E T? Yeah, Corbet. Like, yeah, it's like Corbet. Yeah. Bra- it's uh, like, uh, what's the fuck, Steve? Like a Corbet? Oh, a Cor- uh, Colbert? Yeah, it's yeah. Like Colbert. Yeah. It's uh, starring Jude Law and, and Natalie Portman. Oh, also uh, Christopher Abbott and William Defoe. I don't know who Christopher Abbott is. I know that name, but I no. don't know where I know him from. I saw they just like William Defoe. William Defoe's in it too. <laughs> with Ju- with, uh, with Natalie Law Portman? and Natalie Portman. Natalie Fuck Portman's yeah. <laughs> and has an 80 meta score early on. So I, I am so down for all of that. Yeah. It's People don't understand how much I like appreciate William Defoe in a movie. Yeah. It's in almost every movie he's in, except the ones he did with Lars von Triers, he's mm-hmm. like one of my favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> yeah. He was in, uh, wasn't he in Boondock Saints? Yeah. Was that him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I, I like him in a lot of stuff. Funny. Yeah. Love that man. Yeah, that's a uh, Jude you, Law, Natalie Portman. I know. I'm pretty sure I've told you this, mm-hmm. but did you know that in one of the in the Antichrist, okay, he had to get a double for his dick because his dick was too big. His dick was threatening other people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like he had such a big cock that in the set of Antichrist, in one of the nude scenes, mm-hmm. they had to get a dude with a smaller dick because I think the co-star was just like, "No, nah, that dick's too big." What? <laughs> Yeah, right. Too big for what? Just to, like, do, to do what? To, to, to be in the presence of? I guess. Like people, people were just feeling threatened by Willem Dafoe's cock. And that's one of my favorite stories of all time. I mean, I, I like it as a story. <laughs> I'm not sure the validity of that at all. It's well, Lars von Triers <laughs> was the one that said it in an interview. Mm-hmm. He was just like, we actually had to, not, like, that's not Willem Dafoe's dick. Mm-hmm. His dick was too big. So we had to get a double. Too big for what? Yeah, too big to be on camera, I guess. Like it was making other people uncomfortable. It was so big. Uh, like that, that sounds great. Like that's a it story. It does that, sound great. Yeah, like, like and I people, want it to be true. Yes, but like, uh, the, I need I need a more credible source than Lars. Like if yeah, I mean it was a, it was a director of the movie yeah. in an interview talking about the movie. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll link you the article. Because I found the article like when the movie came out, yeah. and I laughed at it every year so far. I'm, I mean, I'm not doubting that William Dafoe yeah. has a big dick. Like yeah. he probably has a big dick. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I, I just imagine it's just like, listen, well, like your dick's too big, man. We mm. gotta, we gotta get another guy. In. Yeah. Just, it doesn't look right for the shot. It's hard to get the composition out. Like yeah. we just have to get a smaller dick. In. Yeah. That's See, so like I, I'm, I could be okay with that. Like for yeah. composition wise, like the dick's <laughs> not working. Like okay, like all right, you know, we gotta do something. <laughs> But if I'm just making the people around me uncomfortable with my big dick, like, what the fuck? I had this dick before. You just didn't know about it. And <laughs> you were completely fine. <laughs> but now that you know about it, you can't work with me in the same room. I'll, li- I'll link you the article because I don't remember the full details. But, yeah, yeah apparently. Yeah. Not willing to fold the dick in the hand. <laughs> oh, big dick fucker. Shit. I'll tell you what. Good for you, William. But, yeah, that's, that was it. The last one was, uh, was Vox Lux. Willem the Cuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Vox Lux. I, that sounds interesting. That yeah. sounds like I would go to the theater and watch yeah. it. Oh, yeah, me too. And, uh, yeah, is that, is that it? Yeah, William Dafoe, Natalie Portman. That is it. Nice. I'm, I'm excited. I, you know, I'm, I fucking love Natalie Portman. Me too. She's so fucking good. She is. I think V for Vendetta is my favorite. She did really good in that. Yeah, uh, Black Swan is mine for, for her, I believe. Black Swan's really fucking good. Yeah. I yeah, her Mila Kunis. Yep. Fuck, that was a good movie, too. Oh, yeah. God damn. Damon Giselle. Damon oh, he Giselle did that? Did, yeah. Yeah, he did that. Sheesh. Yep. 
and well, yes. he did that. He did that. Then he did Whiplash, and then he did. I thought Whiplash Lala was Land. the first one for some reason. No, uh, I think Black Swan came out. No way. Like two years before Whiplash. Like that just seems weird. Yeah. Like that you were able to make something on the level of Black Swan and then Whiplash. Let me see, Black Swan. I would feel like Whiplash would be first. Black Swan was 2010. Black Swan was 2010. Mm-hmm. And then Whiplash. Which was, 20, uh, was 2014. Yeah. Yeah. So he did Black Swan. Mm. Then he did um, Whiplash and he did La La Land. That's a, that's a very good track record. If you come out with Black Swan, Whiplash, and then fucking La La Land. No, he didn't do, um, he didn't do uh, Black Swan. He did not? Nah, so I was looking, I was like, huh, he did Black Swan? I swear he did. Nah, he didn't write or direct that one. Then who did Black Swan? Oh, let's see. Oh, it's Aronofsky. Fuck. Aronofsky, yeah. I'm about to say that. Why did I confuse uh, Black Swan with fucking, like, Chazelle? I could have sworn it was Chazelle. But you're right, it's Aronofsky. I was about to be fucked up, because I was like, I thought First Man was the only thing I was left on Mm. Damien Chazelle. You know what? No, I don't, I don't know what the fuck happened. Nah, no, whatever. But we fixed it. Yes. We Googled it. We fixed <laughs> it's it. Fixed. Uh, Black Swan Aronofsky, fucking great film. Yeah. And oh, yeah, just a uh, whiplash. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. Yeah. Listen, that's all I got before I start talking out of my ass anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go do the little rundown now. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore FFS podcast. Mm-hmm. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the FFS podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play Music under the name for film's sake and pretty much anywhere else that you can listen to a podcast. And then my personal Twitter handle is at Brian Machida. I'm at T-H-A underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey, hey. thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. Right. Bye. Fuck. Oh, oh. <laughs> Shit. Oh, ah, damn it. Ah.